Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. There are certain things in Scripture that when you read them, you think, man, I would have liked to have been there. Would have liked to have been there to see what exactly the attitude of the people and how Jesus was speaking to them and stuff. Because this to me, the dialogue that is happening between Jesus and these people is, it's fierce dialogue. It is, uh, it's like cutthroat. It's gonna, I'm going to say whatever I can say. As you, as you cut me, I'm going to wound me deep. I'm going to spit some stuff right back at you. And, and Jesus, of course, isn't doing that. He's speaking truth. But the way that these guys are responding is just unbelievable. You'll see here in a minute. He's having a lively dialogue with what is said to be the people that believed him. I would hate to see the dialogue he had with the people that didn't believe him. These are people who believed him, not to be confused with people that would believe in him. Those are two different people. Uh, these are people that are hearing Jesus' words but not listening. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, when my kids hear my words, they nod their head. Yeah, Dad, I get it. But when they listen, their actions change. You see what I'm saying? That There's a difference between hearing and listening. And what we find here is these folks are hearing Jesus and they, they applaud his words, but they're not willing to change their lives. They're not willing to do what his words say. They're not willing to put all their trust in Jesus. They want to trust in what they know and add Jesus to it. And you can't do that. Jesus says that doesn't work. That won't work. You have to completely and totally surrender to me. They believe in and who Jesus says he is even, but they are still unwilling to change their lives. Now, our world is filled with people like that. Our world is filled with people that um, will hear the word of God, but they will not listen. Many believe Jesus, but only a few will believe in him to the point that they will surrender their lives to him. Well, this is where we find ourselves in the midst of a conversation with these people. And in this dialogue gets really colorful this morning. So, if you would please stand, and we're going to read John chapter 8. We're going to go over what we went over last week, verses, one through, uh, verses 31 through 36, and we're going to continue on through verse 47 this morning. So John chapter 8, verse 31, we read, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered, and we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I have heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works, of your, father. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one Father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? 
It is because you cannot bear, my, or bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of, the, out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I will tell you to tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of, uh, of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. And Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to see the spiritual DNA that is contained in here and the test that Jesus gives in order to, for us to understand who our spiritual father is. We pray this morning, God, that our hearts would be open, that our ears would be attentive, and that our, our wills would be submissive to your will this morning. Lord, lead us into all truth. Meet each person where they are, God. You know each and every single person and all their needs this morning. We pray that by your Spirit, you would just speak in such a way that we would all be affected and not be the same people that we were when we walked in here this morning. Lord, if we would listen to you this morning, means we would hear your words, and if we would be willing to do what you say, we will be transformed. May that be our heart, each and every person in this place this morning. We're here for you, God. We're here to hear from you, to listen to what you have to say. Speak to us by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You ever notice the similarities and characteristics that you have from your mother and your father? You ever notice how you're kind of similar to your mom? Maybe it's your features. You look like you're one of your parents or you, you have traits that are like your parents or even mannerisms that are like your parents. This can be a good thing, right? This can also be a very, very bad thing. Uh, one thing's for sure, we don't get to choose these things. These things are passed down from our DNA, right? They're passed down. They're genetically given to us through our parents. And, and here's the thing, you get half of your DNA from your mom, you get half of your DNA from your, man, your, your, your father. So guess what? You at least have half a chance. If one of your parents is, is okay and the other parent is not so okay, you at least have half a chance that you're going to get some good characteristics, that you're going to get some good traits, that you're going to get some um, good mannerisms. It all comes through DNA. Now, I see this played out in my kids' lives all the time. You know, when I get on the phone, for some reason, I don't know why I do this, I didn't, I've never really observed my parents do this, but, but for some reason, when I get on the phone, I pace. And I just pace back and forth, and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, uh-huh. And I don't know, I just do. That's just how I am. I, I don't like to sit down when I'm talking to people. You know, if, if I'm sitting there talking to you and I'm moving around, it's just because I have ADD and I can't sit still. But also, I like to pace when I talk. It's just something that I do. Here's the thing is, if you watch my son crew, or you watch my son Jude, they do the same thing. They have picked up those, that mannerism or whatever that is. They, 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 they like to do that as well. When my wife, uh, when she cleans the house, she will deconstruct the house. I'm not kidding you. She will take a screw gun out, start taking the sheetrock off. She's going to clean everything <laughs> around. the. I mean, she's going she's gonna to completely and totally redo the, the, the room whatever it is. That might be why she doesn't clean all the time. I'm just saying, I'm going to, 
I'm going to be in trouble for that, but that's okay. It was, it's, but when she does it, she does an incredible job. But here's the thing is, when we were talking the, the, just the other day, my son Silas is exactly the same. When he goes to clean his room, you'll go in and go, what are you doing? He's got just a mound of stuff in the middle of his room, just piled up like that. And you're just like, what are you doing? I'm cleaning, he says. Oh man, you clean like your mom. It's just, you just do that. It, I mean, it, it's the same. Now, we have a picture of Sonia when she's a little girl. I don't know how old she was, maybe four or something with that lollipop. And uh, um, we got a picture of Zoe, the same age, same, same kind of picture style. They look identical. She was given the physical features of her mom, thank goodness. You know, she, she got that. Um, you know, th there's all different kinds of things. I could go on and on about, my, I chew my nails. My son, Crew, if you sit by him, he's going to start chewing his nails. That's what we do when we think for some reason. It's, it's just DNA things. It's traits, it's characteristics, it's mannerisms that have been passed down from our, our, our parents. Now, here's the thing. We also have spiritual DNA. We also have spiritual DNA, and there is those, those, those physical features, those traits, those mannerisms that are passed down that we inherit through our spiritual father. And what we have to understand is that there is only two options when it comes to spiritual fathers. There is God the Father, and then there is El Diablo, the devil, the serpent of old. He also is a spiritual father. And depending on who your spiritual father is will depend upon the types of features, the types of traits, the types of mannerisms that will come out in your life because you can't hide your DNA, you understand? You can't, you can't shield that. It just comes out in you. It's not like you think about it. It just happens. And that's what we see here today. Jesus starts to tell these guys about their spiritual father who isn't who they think it is. They're completely blinded to who their spiritual father might be. They think their spiritual father is God. And Jesus will tell them otherwise. He says, no, your spiritual father is the devil. And the way that he describes this to them is he doesn't just come out and say, hey, your spiritual father is the devil. What he does is he gives them a spiritual paternity test. He says, you know what, here's what I want to do. I want to show you that you're of your father, the devil. The way that you determine your spiritual fatherhood is not through blood but through behavior what jesus shows them is he he begins to shine the light on how they're acting the very things that they're doing because those are traits characteristics those are features of their spiritual father the devil and that's exactly what he shows them there are three things that jesus shows us specifically that reveal our our, our uh, spiritual father number one our spiritual DNA is determined by our reaction to God's Word. That's the first thing that we see. Secondly, we find that our spiritual DNA um, is determined by our daily deeds. And thirdly, by the way that we treat God's Son. First, let's look at the spiritual DNA is determined by our reaction to God's Word. Look at verse 40, uh, 37 there. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham. Now, we're, we're starting in the middle of a conversation, so it's kind of hard to really get the flow of what Jesus is saying. Again, if we, the reason I started in verse 31 is so that we understood they brought up Abraham early on. As soon as Jesus said, you know, that they, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Now, he said that because he knew that they weren't his disciples. They, he knew that they truly weren't, weren't followers of Jesus. And because Jesus loves us, he loves us enough that he'll tell us when we're not truly following him. 
Sometimes we don't want to hear that, but God loves us so much and there is so much at stake. The stakes are so high that Jesus says, I can't afford not to offend you. I can't afford not to hurt your feelings if you think you're following me and you're not because your eternity is at stake here. And so he says, let me show you what I mean. He tells them, if you abide in my word, if you live in my word, if you literally obey my word, then you are my disciples, he said. We talked about that last week. And he said, and you will know the truth. Only those who are his disciples will know the truth and the truth will set them free. He tells them that and they're, they're like, what freedom? What are you talking about, Jesus? We don't need to be set free. And this is where they bring up Abraham. Do you not know that we're descendants of Abraham? Hello? Hey, Jesus, do we need to give you a little lineage uh, history on us? We are spiritual children of Abraham. We are Abraham's offspring. Don't you understand what that means? And so, you know, their peacock feathers flop out. They begin to tell Jesus all about that. And, and Jesus says, well, you still need to be free. Let me explain it to you in a little different way. If you're a slave to sin, if you, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. And at that point, you have to wonder what they thought. Well, I, I guess I kind of sin sometimes. I don't know. If you practice sin, if you're caught up in sin, then you are a slave to sin. He's trying to help them understand where they are positionally. Positionally, these people are not saved. They think they're saved, but they are not saved. And we talked about how that, that makes its way into the church even today. There are many, many people who think they're saved that are not saved. And you know, Jesus said there's going to be in the last days, there's going to be wheat and there's going to be tares. And he says for us not to tear out the tares because we will, it'll be so confusing in the last days, is it not? Who is, who is saved and who is not saved? That Jesus says just leave it alone or you'll do more damage than you will good. You'll start to pull wheat out when it's actually, um, you'll pull people out that you think are a tear and they're wheat. You'll leave people in that you think are wheat and they're tares. He just said, let me do that business. He also gave us the analogy of the sheets and the goats. And he said that, you know, in the last days, God, when we stand before the Lord, he will, sheep, he will separate the sheep from the goats. You understand, this is something that continues on through the church. From day one, Jesus in his time was dealing with false disciples. People who would say, I'm a disciple, but their actions would say otherwise. Jesus, we're not slaves. There's no way that we're enslaved to anyone. I thought you, being a bright rabbi, would realize that because we are the heritage of Abraham, we are free. They thought that their spiritual freedom would come through their physical lineage. Uh, so Jesus, again, responds to them, well, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. That's the only freedom that we can have. It's through the Son. It's not through Abraham. Abraham cannot set you free because Abraham is a man. And Jesus is a God-man. Jesus is not just a man. He is God in the flesh as well. He can set you free and only can He set you free. That's kind of where we left off last week. You can pick up the teaching on our website if you want. But mid-sentence, really, Jesus goes into the same breath here and He goes, I know you guys are the offspring of Abraham. I mean, I don't question your physical lineage. You are the physical seed of Abraham. No question about that. But that doesn't mean what it, you think it means. Yeah, you don't, your physical lineage to Abraham isn't the golden ticket to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. It doesn't work that way. 
You don't get the golden ticket to heaven because of uh, you know, your bloodline. It does not work that way. There is only one way to heaven and that's through Jesus Christ. So your descendant, your, your ancestry, literally is meaningless from a, a spiritual standpoint if you aren't connected spiritually. Physically, it means nothing. Paul, the Apostle Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 9, verses 6-8. through eight. He said, For not all who descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. You understand? Isaac was a child of promise. Abraham, it took faith in to believe that Isaac would come. It was by faith that that child was given. And it's by faith that you and I become offspring of Abraham as well. We become offspring of Abraham as well. That's what Paul is saying. Just because you're, physical, you know, you're physically born of someone who is um, of the lineage of Abraham means nothing. This is all about the spiritual. This is all about the heart. And it's about, you know, it's about coming into God's family through faith. That's what he tells us. Paul says, you know, your physical lineage doesn't mean anything. He wrote again in, in Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteous, know then that it is those of faith that are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the Gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You see what Paul is saying here? He's telling us that it's by faith and that God told Abraham way back when that it would be through him by faith that, that those people that would be blessed because the promises that were given to Abraham are inherited to those who come by faith through him. You understand? It doesn't just come because you're physically linked to him. Your ancestry is of Abraham. I think you guys get that, right? That's what he's saying here. Romans chapter 11, 17 through 21, ditto's the same thing. Paul says the same thing. You're grafted into the promise. You're grafted into the body. And now, I, I misaddressed this last week. You've got to watch this guy up here. Sometimes he says stuff and it's not right. You know, watch me. I, I said that came out of Romans chapter 10. It was actually a Romans 11, so forgive me for that. At least it was in the Bible, though, you know. <laughs> that, that's good. But, but um, so anyway, he's telling us here, Paul's addressing a child of Abraham is one who believes by faith in the Word. Who's the Word? Jesus Christ. He's the Word. And, and, and the one who believes in the Word obeys who? The Word. If you believe in the Word, you obey the Word. The Jews trusted more in their ancestry than they did in the Word of God. Abraham heard the words of God and received them, it says. Genesis 15, 6. We just read the Scripture, but it says he believed the Lord and, he, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Jesus said to these people standing there in that day, my words find no place in you. My words find no place in you. Your heart is so dark that you want to kill me because of what? Because of my words. You see, my words are offensive to you because they're not what you want to hear. 
Yes, you were the children of Abraham, but that doesn't automatically mean that you get to go to heaven. You are not predestined for heaven, friend. And that would, that would be a dagger in the heart of a Jew to say something like that. They would tear their clothes and throw up dirt and they would want to put their hands around your neck, stone you. They want to kill you. That's the pride of these people. And I would say that's the pride of us. You know, Paul would tell us not to look down upon them because we're just like them, he would say. We have the same kind of pride issues in our own hearts. Jesus said, when you reject my words, you're rejecting my Father's words. And in so doing, you're acting just like your Father. You're acting just like your Father. You see, your spiritual DNA is determined by your reaction to God's Word. How should we react to God's Word? If you're a genuine believer, how should you react to God's Word? Well, I think here's a few things. We should receive it. We should receive God's Word, right? We should give it high place of honor in our lives. We should trust His Word. We should let it rule us. We should love it. Do you have an affection for God's Word? Do you wake up saying, man, I love God's Word. I love to get in God's Word because it's, it's, it's effective in our lives, but it's effectual as well. And it is one of those things that there is affection tied to as God. It's his love letter to you. You understand? God's pinning 66 books that would say, I love you over and over and over again. I love you. I love you. I love you. We should love his word. And most of all, we should obey his word. Listen, your spiritual DNA is determined in how you react to God's word. That's what he tells us. Secondly, it's determined by our daily deeds. Look at verse 39 there. They answered him, Abraham is our father. <laughs> Jesus is like, okay. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. Your true heart. A man who, who has told the truth that I have heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You're doing the works of your, fa your father did. Obviously, Listen, these folks didn't get what Jesus was saying. They responded to Jesus here. They're like, Jesus, we're the offspring of Abraham. Again, he's like, he's our father, duh. Jesus comes back quickly. Well, you're not acting like your father, are you? You're not acting like Abraham. Your daily deeds don't resemble in the slightest the deeds of Abraham. Now, and I want you to understand, Abraham was not a perfect man. You guys know that? You can shake your head like that because that means, yeah, we know that. That way I know that you're connected. You understand where we're going on this. But he was not perfect. Sometimes we think they are. Sometimes we think like, man, if I was only the Apostle Paul. Man, I read sometimes where Paul's super discouraged. I read sometimes where he just got stoned and he's been so rejected that like he's like, man, Lord, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. You know, there's, there, he was a human being. He was imperfect. Abraham was a human being. He was imperfect. Do you know that the Bible tells us twice it records only that I know of? Two times, specifically, the Genesis where Abraham lied. Abraham lied. What does that make him? A liar. He's a liar. But, but God loved him, and God used him anyway. He, he, Genesis chapter um, 12, he lied as he was 
you know, as he was going through, his wife must have been smoking hot because when he was going through these different areas, he would say, this is my sister. Twice he did it, two times. I mean, he, was, he just couldn't get over Genesis 12 and Genesis 20. I did look those up so you can write that down and uh, you can read it later. But, but he did do those things. There was times where he was afraid. There was times where he feared for his life. He didn't live perfectly. But the one thing that he did was he lived by faith. He trusted God, not in every moment of his life, but, but if you were to characterize this man's life, the Bible characterizes his life as a life of faith, that he trusted God. When God would say to him, Abraham, he doesn't even know who God is at this point, and he would say, get up and go out of your land, and I will, and I will um, go to a land that I will show you. What? Who does that? I did. And my guess is you did too when you came to Christ. You didn't, have, you didn't know much about who God was maybe. I didn't know hardly anything about God. What I did know is that I needed a Savior. I did recognize that I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. And I recognized that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be the Savior for me. And it was by faith that I believed in that. In His Word. Abraham believed God's Word. And he trusted in God's Word. And he did what God asked him to do he started to walk by faith now remember as they're walking along now he took his nephew lot with them and they're being blessed big time i mean th their possessions are growing they're th they're prospering the lord is flooded the floodgates of heaven are opened up and they're just being blessed but they come to this place where they recognize there's a problem our our we've prospered so much that that there's no place for both of us to cohabitate there's just not a way for us to do that now he trusted God in that moment Abraham could have said well you know what God called me on this journey so I'm going to pick the land that I want to live in and then you can go the opposite way that's not how it goes down Abraham says hey Lot why don't you just look look around and you just pick whatever place you want to go you know what Abraham picked or you know what Lot picked the best isn't that what you would do you'd look around the land and you'd think like well that land over there looks pretty fertile it looks pretty nice it there there's there's a city by there we could ha go have dinner and stuff and get caught up and get trapped and enslaved there you know all that kind of stuff but we're going to go that way so he chooses to go to the best he chooses the blessed and abraham says that's cool because i trust god and god's called me on this journey and he will not he will not put me to shame he's going to he's going to watch over me he's going to continue to minister to me and he's going to watch over the things that I have now Abraham again trusts God with something w which would be probably the most prized um, I don't want to say possession but but relationship that he would have his son you know he, he, he the promised son he had, he had he was an old man like had no no children you know, and his wife was barren and she couldn't have children. And you know what kind of a relationship that would be in that day and age. If you couldn't have kids, then, you know, there was a problem in your life. You were, you know, God has cursed you and all that kind of stuff. So you can culturally, you could understand that would be a big problem. And there's no doubt that there would, there would be some, some, you know, despair and all that, that would go with a woman. You guys know what I'm talking about. I'm not a woman. I don't know what that's like. I just get to hold the little guy. You have to carry him. You know, but, but what ended up happening was, you know, he blew it, by the way, in that, didn't he? He wasn't perfect. But here's the thing is he took his son to the mountain and God said, I want you to crucify 
I want, to, want you to, I want you to slay your son before me. I want to know that you're not holding anything back from me. And it's interesting, it's an incredible, if you read that passage, go back and read that later today, but it is an incredible picture of what Jesus did for us. Do you know that? In things like it said that he laid the wood upon his son, and his son would carry the wood up to the mount where he would be, where the altar would be built. Speaking of what Jesus did, as he would carry his own cross up to Golgotha, to the place of the skull where he would be crucified upon you. It's just an incredible parallel of what God would do for us. But Abraham in that moment would trust his, would trust his father in heaven. And he would say, I'm willing to give it all up because I love you. This is the kind of character that this guy had. And Jesus is saying to these Jews, to these people standing in this crowd today, maybe some of them are religious leaders, maybe not. We don't know who they are specifically, but what we do know is that they are calling Abraham their father. And, and Jesus says, man, you're not acting like your father at all. You're not acting like your father. I know the deeds of Abraham. I know the works of Abraham. I know what was characterized in his life and it was nothing like I'm seeing right now. I promise you that. They were doing the works of their father, Jesus says, and we know that this is the second time he says that, so now they're starting to say, what is he getting at? What is he saying? Listen, your deeds determine your spiritual DNA. What are your deeds like today? What are your deeds like? Are you characterized by mistreating people? Are you characterized by living in darkness? Are you characterized by, um, by desiring to murder people's character? Are you characterized by being jealous of those around you or getting mad at others when they prosper and you don't? What characterizes your life? You see, it's those things that will tell you who your spiritual father is. Actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. Actions determine, they help us to know really who our spiritual father is. So two out of three tests are completed already. Jesus is just <laughs> giving it to these guys. He's saying, just look at your behavior. Just look at your behavior. He wants to run one more test on them so that they can see, hopefully, what he's talking about. Look at verse 41b there. It says, they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. But Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God. And I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Our spiritual DNA is determined by the way that we treat God's son. That's the third test Jesus runs here. Now, whenever you get somebody backed into a corner, maybe you've experienced this in your own life, and they're too prideful to admit that they're wrong, and you just keep pressing in and telling them, no, but this is the deal, but this is the deal, and they keep getting pressed into a corner, they're going to either eventually... They're going to give in and say, yeah, you're right. Or they're going to lash out at you. Pride is just going to come bursting forth and they're going to say things that are incredibly insulting like they did right here. They tell Jesus, we were not born of sexual immorality. They resort to character assassination. Now, you have to understand what they're saying. They're saying, Jesus, we know about your father. We know that your father is not Joseph. We know that you were born into sexual immorality. That's what they're telling him. We think 
you know, this whole virgin birth thing, obviously they weren't part of that. They didn't get that. They didn't, we have the word of God to tell us that they thought that the, the rumor was that Jesus was Jesus's father, and they'll call him a Samaritan later, but Jesus's father, his earthly father, was some Roman soldier that had impregnated Mary, and now, they, now Jesus was the result of that. That's why they say this. They say, you were born under sexual morality. You want to talk about dads? Well, you were born out of sexual morality, Jesus. You're an illegitimate child. Your mom is a floozy. You want to talk to us <laughs> about ancestry? You want to tell us that Abraham's not our father? Well, let's talk about your father, Jesus. These people, man, they were the ones that were said to believe him. This shows the true character of these people right here. The way that they respond to the Son of God and insult him in such ways that they would call him an illegitimate child. They go on to say, we have one father, by the way. You're probably not even sure who yours is, Jesus. But we have one father, even God. Now, th this is a reference to the Old Testament. Now, the, uh, the idea that nationally God was the father of Israel it comes from Exodus chapter 4.22. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. This is when they're coming out of, out of, the, um, out of Egypt. And he, verse 23, and I say to you, let my son go and he may, that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. When, when God told um, Pharaoh that he was going to come over the land and kill their firstborn son, he was saying, you need to let my firstborn son go first. You ever catch that before? That, that, it, that Israel was his firstborn son, and he's saying, you're holding my firstborn back, and I will take yours if you don't let them go. And of course, we know what happened there. They wouldn't let him go. So he did what he said. And he, but he protected the Jews, his firstborn, through the blood of a lamb that would be on the doorposts and the lintels that, that would form a cross that would protect them, the blood of the lamb that would protect the people there from the, from the angel of death. The Jews always referred to God as their father nationally. But Jesus said, listen, if God were your father, you would love me. If God were truly your father, you would love me. The spiritual DNA passed down from the heavenly father, listen, comes with an inherent love for Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? If God the father is your spiritual father, there is inherent in the DNA a love for Jesus Christ. It passes down through the genetic pool there. After all, Jesus is God, by the way. The Bible tells us to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. That means to love Jesus that way because He is God. A love for God results in a love for Jesus. John 5, 22. Jesus is saying, you, you have to love me the same way you love the Father because I and the Father are one. He tells us this, listen. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that, I, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. They're one. If you don't honor Jesus, you don't honor the Father, you see. He, he goes on again in, in John 15, 23. He says, whoever, he says this kind of oppositely, whoever hates me hates my Father also. 
You can't separate the Father and the Son. They're one. True children of God are inherently characterized by a love for Jesus. Do you love Jesus today? Do you love Jesus? Do you, do you wake up and do you say, Jesus, I love you? Your actions will show that, you know. If you love somebody, your actions will show that. It'll demonstrate that. And it might not be perfect, but you will be, again, characterized by a person who loves, you know, Jesus or a person who loves their wife or a person who loves their children because your actions speak that. Your life is a love song to him, you know. Jesus said, John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll obey me if you love me. I, how do I know I love Jesus? Well, do you do what he says? Is that your heart? Lord, I just want to do your will. I want to I honor you with my life. I want to walk in ways that would please you. Are you or are you more so, Jesus, thanks for saving me, but I'm doing my own thing now. That's not love. That's convenience. That's, getting, that's a one-way relationship that says, I have no interest in you. I just want to get something out of you. And let me tell you, there are many people that feel the, the, the congregations of churches in this day and age that are like that, that are there to get something from Jesus, but there's no way He's getting something from them. There's no way it's going to be a return. That's not a relationship. And if you've ever been in an, an earthly relationship like that, and, and, and all you do is seem to give and give and give, and the person seems to take and take and take, you know what I'm talking about. That's not a relationship. That's not how relationships are supposed to work. Relationship means two people working together. And you know what? That are compromising. That say, I love you enough to give. I love you enough that I'm not going to just take. I want to give my relationship with my wife. I want to be a giver. I don't want to have to be a taker. And in so giving, I get back. It's just the way it works. God loved us so much that He did what? He gave His only Son. You see, God's actions matched His words. He didn't just say from heaven, He goes, I love you. I love you now. You know, I don't know what else to tell you, but I love you. No, no. I love you. Therefore, I'm going to send a Savior. Therefore, I'm going to send Jesus Christ to be crucified on a cross, to be slain, the Son of God, for you. Because He loves us. Man, I love to sing that song. That, oh, He loves us. Yeah, oh, He loves us. You know, I love that song because it helps me to realize not only that I love Him too, and I, I think of the love that God has poured out for me. And I say, God, I love you back. And when I sing that song, I'm saying the words, He loves us, but I'm saying in my heart, I love you. I love you. Now my, let my actions match that, Lord. Let my words match my walk. You know, Jesus wasn't just mighty in word, but He was mighty in deed as well. And if we're going to follow Him, we're going to be mighty in word and deed. Our actions will match our words. Jesus, I love you, therefore I obey you. I do what your word says. Not because I have to. I'm not a law keeper. Man, I'm in relationship with, with the, the living God through his son, and I am loving him 
by walking it out in my life. Let your life be characterized, listen, by singing on key. By singing on key. Sometimes you're going to go off key. But let your life be characterized in such a way that you would sing on key. Because it's painful to watch and it's painful to listen if you're not. You know that. But, lo- but God would love you anyway. <laughs> listen, obedience is the sign that you love Jesus. And loving Jesus in return uh, determines our spiritual DNA, doesn't it? It tells us who our spiritual father is. Well, the test is complete now. Jesus said the results are in, and here we go, verse 43. Why do you not understand what I say? He just, before he gets to the results, he just, he just has, to, has to ask them the question, why are you not understanding me? He's simply stating the fact that these guys are so hard-hearted that they refuse to listen to truth. That no matter what Jesus has said, they've turned their ears off. They're not listening to him. And the reason they refuse, he goes on to say, is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You cannot bear to hear my word. That, that word there, bear, literally means to accept. They can't accept his words because they are contrary to what they've been told and what they themselves believe. It's hard to accept something when you think you know something else to be true. You know what I'm saying? You ever been in that situation where somebody tells you something and you're like, no, I I don't think that's true because I know it to be true this way. Is there any chance that you might be wrong on that though? Well, maybe there is. You see, when we approach God's word, sometimes we approach it as in, well, God, you know, I already know, so I don't really need to, to listen. I already know what your word says, but, but he says, is there any chance that you might be wrong on that? I'll tell you that, hey, I've been wrong on some things before. As I read God's word, and I'm just like, oh, I never saw it like that before. If I were to let my pride come in, say, oh, but, I, but I've read that hundreds of times, and this is the way that I understand it, you know, then, then, then I would lose out. God says, do you come to my word with an open heart, with understanding that says, Lord, teach me. Lord, show me the way. I'm, I'm humble at your feet. Whatever you want to speak to me about. Don't let, you know, you know, whatever experiences you've had in your past through whatever been taught or something that you've read or something that you've, you know, um, you've learned yourself, don't ever let that experience or that knowledge trump what God's Word says. That's what the Jews did. Jesus said, man, you honor your traditions more than the word of God. Don't allow your understanding to get in the way of what God's word says. Be teachable. Remain teachable. Let his word speak into your life. They couldn't bear to hear his word. I'm not listening to you anymore, Jesus. There are a lot of voices in the world, guys that are trying to speak into your life. There are hundreds and thousands of voices that are trying to speak into your life. But you know what? You have one luxury in that. You get to choose who you listen to. And you know, you young people, listen up. Because you have hundreds of, hundreds of, you have media trying to speak in your life, social media trying to speak in your life, peers trying to speak in your life, television trying to speak in your life. You've got all these things trying to speak into your life and what, uh, and you have the luxury of choosing the voice. 
You have the luxury to choose which voice you're going to listen to. And Jesus says, you know what? Listen to my voice. Listen to my voice. If you listen to any other voice, you're going to get off track. Oh, it's okay for, it's okay for you to sleep with your boyfriend. That's okay. Um, you know, everybody's doing it. The word of God is ancient. That's no big deal. No, 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 no. That's the wrong voice. It, you know, it's okay for you to um, do this or that, but it's contrary to God's word. That's the wrong voice. Listen to the Spirit of God. Well, God just wants me to be happy. That's why I'm going to get a divorce from my wife because, you know, God's really into my happiness and all he cares about is me, right? You know, he doesn't care about my wife that loves me and wants to work in me, but he cares about I'm happy. Wrong voice. Don't listen to the wrong voice. You have the luxury of listening to the right voice, to the voice of truth. The voice of truth is the Spirit of God that would speak into your life. I pray that you would hear him and him alone because there are a lot of deceitful voices out there. I only want to hear the one voice and the true voice, the voice of the Spirit of God that would point me to Jesus Christ, that would point me to the Father. Jesus goes on to reveal the results. The DNA test is unanimous. Your spiritual father is, drum roll, the devil. Your spiritual father is the devil. Verse 44, Jesus is 100% certain. It's not like he's saying, I think your spiritual father is the devil. No, no, this is emphatic. It's a, it's a fact. Your spiritual father is the devil. No questions asked. How do, how do you know that, Jesus? Based on everything that you just got done saying. You're not acting the way that you should act. If you're a child of God, you should act a certain way. You should react to the word of God a certain way. You should, act, you should treat the Son of God a certain way if God the Father is truly your Father. You are acting exactly like your spiritual father, the devil. <laughs> Jesus said, like father, like son. These folks have the desires of their father to still kill and destroy. He said twice in three verses, you're trying to kill me. You're trying to kill me. What are the characteristics of their father, the devil? Jesus tells us two of them. There's many more. He just picks out a couple of them that they're speaking to him about. Number one, your father's a murderer. From the beginning, he's a murderer. That's one characteristic you can look at. What are you trying to do to me? You're trying to murder me. I don't know. You see the resemblance? <laughs> You're a murderer and, and your father was a murderer. The devil was a murderer from the beginning, Jesus says. He murdered the human race at Eden. He, he then put murder in the heart of Cain to kill Abel. The devil is a murderer, and all who follow him murder. Uh, you might be thinking, oh, phew, well, I'm good with that one. I, I've never murdered anyone before, so I'm good on that. I guess I passed that test. I guess I'm okay on that one. Um, let me ask you a question. Have you ever hated someone before? Have you ever hated someone before? Uh, or, or, or let's really use the, the, the Greek word, what it really means, strongly dislike. Because that, that's what we say. Well, I don't hate them. I just strongly dislike them. Same thing. Same thing in God's eyes. And he says this. 1 John 3.15, uh, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Why? Because the spiritual DNA of that person is the, the devil. Because they are, they are a child of the devil. Jesus says, you know, if we get angry with a brother, 
that we murder them in God's eyes. I could go on and on and on about all the ways that we murder people that we don't consider murder, but God considers murder. Gossip, you murder them. Slander, you murder them. On and on and on. All of those who have the spiritual DNA of the devil are murderers. It's just the way it is. They are also liars, he says. Look at in the last part of that verse there. And does not stand in truth because no truth is in him. When he, and he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar, the father of lies. Satan's the father of lies. He lied to Adam and Eve in the garden, didn't he? Oh, you, you won't surely die. Uh-uh. No, God was just trying to pull the wool over your eyes. No big deal. Go ahead and eat. Let's just see what happens. It's not going to happen. You're going to be just like God. Go ahead. You know, I think he's even smiled as a serpent, you know. Or maybe he had a permanent grin on like the Joker. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, he is the father of lies. And he lied to our, our fleshly parents, Adam and Eve. And they fell because of that deceit. He continues to lie over and over again. You ever notice that it's the same lies in your life? Isn't that what's interesting? How can you get tripped up over the same lies? <laughs> you, you know, he just keeps coming back to the same line. You're like, oh, really? You know, like what? How could you believe that again? How do you fall into that again? He's great at it. That's why. He's really good at it because he's the father of lies. All lies generated from him. And he's really, really good at it. So guard yourself. Even in those things that you think you've overcome, make sure you have guarded because he's really good at lying. He continues to lie to all of humanity. Do I need to ask if you've ever told a lie? I didn't think I did. But if you did lie, then you would be spiritually, you know, the, the, the DNA of your father, the devil. Verse 45, but because I tell you the truth, Jesus points back to him now. He says, you know, you are of your father, the devil, but I'm telling you the truth. You do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? It's like so, it's just uncomprehendable that you wouldn't believe what I'm saying right now because you can't convict me of anything. In fact, you're going to have to lie in order to convict me. You're going to have to drum up false witnesses to be able to condemn me. That's how far sin can go in your life if you don't keep it checked. Jesus says you have no reason not to believe what I'm saying. Do you convict me of sin? They, of course they didn't. And yet you still don't believe me. That's because you cannot hear me because you are not of God. Whoa, those are some difficult words from Jesus. He didn't hold back when it came to truth because he cares about people. Do you understand that? He presses in. And here's the difference, I think, is that you know there's times where you're in a conversation with somebody and you know they're not telling you the truth. You know you can see plainly the Spirit of God is speaking through you and He's telling you they're not in me and they think they are. And you go, well, I don't know. I mean, well, oh, you read the Bible, okay. Um, you pray, okay. Uh, you know, yeah, you've, you've asked for forgiveness of your sins, okay. Um, has it changed your life at all? No, not really, okay. Um, okay, well, it's good talking to you. No, 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 in those moments... Jesus would say, man, my word says that you're not in me. You know, the word of God would say that you're not in me. 
Because if anybody's in Christ, he's a new creature. You know, it, just, just that idea that, that we would press beyond the surface conversation, guys, because there are people that really need to hear the truth. And God is not sending you into their life to be surface level, if you know what I mean. Jesus just uncovers it, man. He, he, he's, not, he's not exposing the, the dirt because he wants to embarrass people. He's exposing the dirt because he wants to deal with the problem. And if you have people in your life that you're just like, like you go home and talk to your spouse about it and you're just like, they're not saved. There's no way that they're saved. Why wouldn't you say that to them? If that's really the conviction of your heart and God has so said that to you, why wouldn't you say, I have great concerns? Not, you know, I mean, tactfully, I mean. Not, you know, hey, you're not saved. And I think you're going to hell. And that's probably not a good way to do that. But a good way to do that would be like, I have great concerns based on what you've told me about your relationship with God. You know, and I, and I, really, I really wonder if you've surrendered your heart to Him. You know, again, let the Spirit lead. I'm not saying we're the Spirit of God and we need to tell everybody whether they're saved or not. We don't know that, in fact. But I'm saying if there's a conviction in your heart and the Lord would, say, would lead you to say that, don't hold back, man. Jesus didn't hold back here. He just told them straight up. He told them what, what he thought. He said, you're not of God. You're not a man of God. If you've ever seen Nacho Libre, then you know that that's what he said to him. If you didn't, then that probably went over your head. So Jesus tells them that they are not of God. Now that right there would be fighting words. And we'll see at the end of this chapter that by the time they get done, they will... They're, they're going to try and even kill him, but for some reason he just escapes. He's able to just kind of, I don't know if, if he was, you know, like Frodo and he put this ring on, he's like, and he's dis disappeared or what happened. But somehow he was able to navigate through these people that are enraged and they want to kill him based on the kind of things that he was saying to, to them. So understand that people won't take those words kindly. But, you know, that doesn't mean we shouldn't say them. I mean, if we truly love someone... And I'm speaking to myself because there's times where I, I've had that conviction in my heart and I'm like, eh, awkward, that's tough, is it hot in here? You're sweating, you know, you're, man, listen, I, I, the natural reaction of the flesh is to do the natural um, deeds of the flesh and that's the deeds of the devil. And that's what Jesus is saying here, man. I hope this doesn't ruin your day, but you know, you realize you were a child of the devil, right? You were. If you're in Christ today, you're not anymore, but you were. Many people, just like these guys, grow up with this false impression that we're all God's children. You know, that we're just born into God's family and that um, somehow we just need to come to Christ and, you know, he'll make it all right. But, but no, that, that's not really the way it works. Actually, we're born as spiritual children of the devil. And, and you know what? The only way that that DNA can, can change is if we're born again. It's the only way that it can change. There is, there is two classes of people, unbelievers and believers. There's no in-between. You're either for God or you're against God. There is no in-between. You're either a spiritual child of the devil or you're a spiritual child of God. There is no in-between. How do we become spiritual children of God? By being born again. We need to change our DNA. Our spiritual DNA has to be changed. Jesus says, if you're a child of mine, if you're a child of the Father, that your deeds will act like that. And you know what? 
being born again, you know what? Your actions have changed, haven't they? Your affections have changed. Your desires have changed. Things in your life are no longer the same. In fact, I was telling the youth group the other day that um, my life changed so much that I have no friends anymore that I used to have. You know, I, I, none of my old friends want anything to do with me because they don't want to hang out with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? They, don't, they, they, they like the old Tim, but they don't really like the new Tim because the, the new Tim brings Jesus everywhere he goes. And they don't like that. That's because your, your deeds will match your spiritual DNA. Jesus says all you've got to do is be born again and all that can change for you. As we reflect this idea of spiritual DNA and what our physical features, traits, and mannerisms are, are like in our own lives this morning, I want to end with the words in 1 John 3. You know, John was writing to people who he wanted to, wanted to understand that there's e they can easily be deceived in and of themselves. And they can think things that they are not. So, so he just tells it very plainly exactly how it is. And as you look at your own life today, as we read these words together, um, you know, just, just allow that to, to speak into your own life. 1 John 3, 7, uh, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever is, makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God? And who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you for helping us to see what, what our lives should look like. That there's a gauge that we can go to and it's your word. And as your word even spoken to our lives this morning, it is the, it helps us to see what our true spiritual nature is, what our DNA is, who we really are in you, Lord, if we're truly children of God or if we are enemies of you, if we are children of the devil. It says it's, it's by the way that we live our lives here. Of course, you're not talking about perfection for the believer because no one's perfect. As the Apostle Paul would write in Romans, where sin abounds, grace abounds the more. We are under grace, no question about it. But if we don't produce righteousness in our life in any way, shape, or form, we can have no assurance. And in fact, according to the words that we just read, God is not in us. We are not of God. And so, Lord, as we continue to just evaluate our own hearts before you, as your word tells us to, Lord, to make sure that we're in the faith, just to continue to um, check our own hearts and make sure that the characteristics of Christ are being manifest in us and through us and, and coming out of us. Lord, that you would just help us to take a spiritual inventory today. Lord, that we would surrender whatever it is, things in our life that might, need, might not be right. And that we would praise you, God, for the things that you've forgiven us for. Lord, if there's anyone in this place this morning that... Um, has not come to that place where they, need, where they have confessed you as Lord and Savior and they've truly laid down their life before you and surrendered to you. 
Lord, I pray for that person this morning that you would help them to take the step of faith just like Abraham did and to walk in the truth, which is to believe in the Son of God who, who gave himself for us that we might be saved. Your word tells us that if we confess Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. And Lord, that confession of faith will produce uh, a life of good works. It'll produce a life. It's not how we're saved. It's, it will produce that though. And Lord, so I pray for anyone here that needs that in their life, if they just maybe have been convicted this morning by what you've said, that you would help them to open their hearts to you, Lord, and just say, I surrender today, Jesus. I'm coming to you and I am confessing my sin, recognizing my need for you. My works do not look like your works. I have sinned and I ask that you would forgive me this morning, that you would cleanse me. I repent of my sin, Lord. I'm turning away from it and I'm turning to you by faith. I believe you died on the cross for me. You shed your blood for me. And you rose again from the dead for me. And by faith, I'm putting all my trust in you today. Surrendering my life to you. I'm yours. And Lord, if someone were to come to you in such a simple prayer like that, confessing their need for you, returning away from their sin, that you would just receive them in, recognizing your son is the only way and that his blood cleanses us from all sin. And Father, I just pray that you would uh, move in the hearts of those this morning, Lord, that are um, struggling in their walk, Lord. They're saved, but they're not experiencing the freedom that comes in Christ. Lord, would you help them? Would you just help them to, to just start walking in the truth that says we're free? We're no longer slaves to sin. Give us power, Lord. And may you help us, Lord. Just empower us to go into the world and speak the truth like you did, Lord, to those around us, that you would help us to um, truly, uh, by your Spirit, just be led by your Spirit and say what your Spirit tells us to say, Lord. So just encourage us, Lord, this week. Continue to help us to make you famous in this world, Lord. And just we pray for all the believers here, Lord, that you would just continue to use them in mighty ways to bring fame to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.